This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your host, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and today I am joined by Sports Info Solutions, Nathan Cooper. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely, Joe. Always uh, enjoy being on here with you, so I appreciate you having me. And if you guys do not follow Nathan on Twitter, he is at NCoopDraft. Um, I have the SIS football rookie handbook from last year still on me just because like there's going to be cuts. So like the way I'm kind of looking at it is like if somebody, if the Broncos signs somebody that gets cut from somebody else, like it's definitely useful to be able to like go back and reference it. I also, I like having all the data in front of me, the, the gap, like the different things, break, the way you guys break things down between man coverage, zone coverage, stuff like that, because that stuff helps influence what's going to happen this year. And kind of going into each matchup, it definitely is something I look at of like, oh, for example, how often do the Giants run man coverage or how often do they run man blocking? Because especially in these first couple weeks, like I'm not going to have film other than the preseason tape, which is not bullshit, but like kind of bullshit. Um, So like having last year's stuff is really, really helpful. So again, if you guys do not follow Nathan on Twitter, go do it. And definitely I recommend the football rookie handbook because again, Yes, it's last draft, but like it gives you a lot of information about what's going to happen. A lot of these players will end up still moving around. Yeah, absolutely. That and that's sort of our idea behind it as well. Obviously, it's a draft guide first and foremost, but it's super useful, you know, fantasy purposes. And then, like you said, you know, it's training camp. You're going to have a lot of guys getting cut. Um, you know, we're in there giving you 
what sort of these teams do and what some, uh, you know, what schemes these players are maybe best at. Um, so you can look at these guys, maybe, hey, this guy, he just got cut. He fits our scheme. Uh, or this guy got cut. He, this is a good player, but he doesn't fit our scheme. So maybe this isn't a guy we're going for. So uh, definitely useful, uh, you know, throughout the entirety of the season and, and definitely still nice to have with you. The fact that you guys really break down the fits, it's it's something you don't get in a lot of other places if you're looking at players. Because, um, again, like like the Broncos just signed Brett Jones uh, about like an hour before we came on. Yeah, I'm gonna go look up and see Brett Jones, and like in the time I have, I'll probably go back and try and watch him. But like in a flurry of moves, like at the end of cutdown day when there's a bunch of players moving around, the first thing you're gonna do is want references. Yeah, you can look up, you know, NFL.com, and you'll get like the bullet point list of like what he does. But very often, it, like you don't actually find out. This scout says this guy's better in a in his own scheme, or this guy is better at man coverage. You you very rarely actually get that. You guys do a really good job with that. So. Again, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your time, um, your expertise. Like, you actually really know your shit. So, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. And you know, that's that's what we try to do. Try to give the fans what they want and give more of that NFL style, uh, you know, aspect that a lot of you know a lot of people may not uh, either see or or give out. So, uh, you know, it's definitely fun for us. So, I'm gonna kind of like just throw you right into the deep end of this. Uh, Cause I'm, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers is not coming. Uh, I think we're all kind of like in the aftermath part of, you know, like, Oh shoot, what does this all mean? Um, I, 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 it still feel like when I'm seeing all these pictures, he's wearing again, like that, the day we're recording this, I just saw him go to camp. He's wearing his office shirt. Everyone in Pat, like I have a lot of Packer land fans on my Twitter that I keep up with and they're all celebrating. I am trying not to grieve too publicly. Uh, but when I looked at I, in the back of my mind, one of the things that really helps is like when I look at the football outsiders projections, you guys do a lot of work with football outsiders. They still project the Broncos to be, and again, it's a small chance, but they still ha give them legitimate Super Bowl odds. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to run down the numbers really quick. Um, so they run the schedule 10,000 times using their projections. And again, guys, for the Broncos, they had they made the playoffs 45.6% of the time, which is pretty good. Uh, they were in the Super Bowl 4.9% of the time. They won nine games or more, a little bit more than 50% of the time. So again, like even with the questions kind of percolating around the quarterback situation right now, and again, like that's going to dominate camp, this could be a Super Bowl roster carrying a very questionable quarterback room. Like, yeah, I that's agree. Fair? I, I do. Yeah. I, I mean, we've talked about it plenty of times uh, and I think everybody uh, is kind of on the same boat here. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do agree. I, obviously, you know, we've, we've talked about the roster. It has a chance to, to really hit this year, especially if Locke takes off, um, like some think he could, um, but it also could tank a little bit, you know, if he doesn't take that next step, uh, injuries start to hit again, uh, and, and things like that. So you're kind of looking, uh, at a wide range, but yeah, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility of, of really anything. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different possibilities and variables, um, you know, that the, the Broncos could hit this year. So one thing I really, I think it's kind of going by the wayside. People aren't paying a lot of attention to it. But one thing I think that really helps the Broncos case this year is they were pretty bad last year. Um, and part of it was the schedule. They had a pretty tough schedule early on. By the time they started to hit like the softer part of the schedule, they lost, you know, significant players. Uh, at this, this time around, the Broncos schedule kind of, I want to, like, again, I don't want to like overlook anybody, but it's pretty winnable early on. Um, I know when I looked at it once already, 
Uh, I mean, the Giants, Jags, and Jets. Uh, first of all, Zach Wilson, again, as we're recording this, Zach Wilson hasn't even shown up for camp yet. They don't have a quarterback on their roster behind him that has thrown an NFL pass. So, like, again, he's going to show up, obviously, but but he's missing time already. Like, that's can't be a good sign. Uh, I feel like the Giants have some pretty significant questions similar to the Broncos. Um, and the Jaguars, I don't know what you think of Urban Meyer. I have a lot of questions. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Those three games, uh, you know, the Giants is probably that toss-up game, you know, coming out week one. Um, but the Jags and the Jets, I, I agree. You're looking at two young quarterbacks, um, two young rosters, uh, not great rosters, still working, um, and, and it's early in the season. I think it would be one thing. You have, you know, the top two picks here, if you're working later in the year against these two teams, you're probably looking at, you know, two quarterbacks that really have started to flourish a little bit, uh, like everyone thinks they can. Um, but you're playing them week two and three. And I think that's the time that you really have to go out there, take advantage of the opportunity, uh, take advantage of their youth and, and get two wins there. Um, but yeah, I agree. Those first three games, I, I think if you come out with two and one, you'll be happy, but it's definitely a good possibility of going three and oh there. Yeah. And I definitely think it's on the flip side of that. I think if the Broncos open up zero and three again, like third straight year, like the seat under Vic Fangio at that point is going to be very toasty. Uh, because yeah, he, especially with those three games. Yeah. Just cause yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, like if Trevor Lawrence lights you up, that's one thing. But like, if you lose to Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, and then Daniel Jones somehow finds a way to, to roast or do enough against the Fangio defense, I think the boo birds are going to be pretty loud. Yeah. Because then you're looking, I mean, if you lose, lose those first three games, you're looking at Baltimore and Pittsburgh, the next two, because now you're looking, you know, not just zero and three, but maybe zero and five. And yeah. you know, you're, you're starting to look, you know, quite a ways downhill there. So I want to talk about Baltimore Pittsburgh a little bit, just because, so I, I think a lot of Lamar Jackson, I know their offense is weird. Um, they run an option, like they run a pistol. They really accommodate his legs. Obviously they built around him. Yeah. Um, and I'll, again, like the discourse on like Twitter and a lot of like the overall discourse about Lamar Jackson is just that he's a limited passer. And again, like some of that's fair. I'm not, I'm not trying to say he's, you know, Patrick Mahomes, but I worry about the way, like the option rules that they use and stuff like that, like how that will mess with the Fangio defense. Just because, first of all, the Broncos' run defense was not great last year. Part of that was obviously injuries. But, I mean, the, the, again, like, you're going to be asking these guys to play option rules. Like, they're going to have to actually respect Lamar, and he has the kind of speed, and they have a lot of speed behind him now that if if you're wrong, and, and Malik Reed, and again, I'm not trying to point out one single player, but, like, when the Broncos played against Josh Allen, and they don't run as much option stuff, but they they, they rely on the quarterback's legs quite a bit. Malik Reed had issues with that back then. Again, this is, I want to say, two years ago is the most, like, blatant in my mind. But just, like, anything like that, if you're if one player is wrong, that's, that's how the Baltimore Ravens get chunk plays on you. So that's a scary game for me. Because then on the other side of the ball, you have Don, like, you have Wink Martindale. And if they're starting lock, Wink Martindale's defense terrifies me. Yeah, that's that's going to be a tough game, regardless. That's... I mean, obviously the Ravens have been good, but especially when you're looking at matchups there, um, Broncos haven't done well against the option in the past. Um, that's that's something to definitely uh, you know consider and take into account whenever you come around a week four there. Uh, and then what, where do you kind of land on Pittsburgh? And again, like I, I don't know if you're talking to anybody in Pittsburgh, so I'm not going to try and get you in too much trouble. But like I personally am really low on Big Ben. I don't know if I'm just like kind of sipping. Like I can't I can't say that I like Big Ben. I don't think I have. I like this is a whole thing. Uh, so my dad was a Steelers fan. So like I got into football originally turning on a Steelers game, ended up liking the Broncos because that's who they were playing. And it just kind of like snowballed from there. So like when the Broncos lost the AFC championship, like this whole thing. So I hate the Steelers. They're probably my least favorite team in football. 
And maybe that's like painting my view of Ben. But like when I watched last year's tape, like he looks pretty shaky. And I know it's the first year after that injury, but also he's creeping closer to 40. Um, Like, am I, am I like, am I kind of going too far with this or is there a decent chance that he's washed? I, I think there's a decent chance, honestly. Like, I, I like Big Ben. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he well, at least was a good quarterback. He had a great career. Um, but, yeah, I think last year was sort of the, you know, him on his way out, I, I think. I think, you know, it's a little surprising he did decide to come back this year. Seeing pictures, he looks like he's slimmed down. He looks like he's in pretty good shape. Um, but, yeah, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, a rough year coming off the injury um, and, and, you know, his age, obviously, as well. Um, I don't, I don't think he's Tom Brady, obviously he's, we're not talking about a guy that's going to play till 45. Um, but I, you know, I think there are questions about the Steelers, um, you know, on both sides of the ball. I do think they have, you know, they have enough weapons that, you know, they're going to win some games. They're going to do pretty well. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a game that, uh, you know, the, the Broncos, as long as you're, you're looking at uh, a team that's fully healthy, uh, that's definitely a winnable game, uh, you know, early in the season. To me, that's going to be like the first, like, so the way I kind of look at, and again, this might be painted by growing up with football outsiders as long as I have, but I've always kind of looked at it as like good teams beat bad teams badly. Like the talent differential starts to show up, but then like, basically you want to try and win half your toss up type games is kind of how I think yeah. about it. And I look at the Steelers game. So I look, and again, I, I don't try and be negative, but I, I look at this, the Baltimore game probably as a loss, just because again, like they're, a, they're probably a Super Bowl contender. Um, and I think early enough in the season that might matter. But I think like the Steelers, that to me looks like a toss-up game based around matchups. And there's definitely some matchups that work in the Broncos' favor. The secondary versus Ben makes me pretty optimistic. And if Vaughn and Chubb are healthy, I like it. On the other side of it, Keith Butler's, the way he dials up games, and especially with the questions Denver has at center and right tackle, I'm very nervous on that. Um, and again, this goes back, and I'm not trying to hammer the Drew Locke part of it, but like, Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater I'm pretty nervous about that side of it. So I think it could be, it could go really far either way based on like how those matchups play out. Yep. I agree. Uh, after that, it kind of, it kind of starts to turn into a couple good games, couple bad games. In my opinion, um, I think the Broncos against the Raiders again, if the Broncos are kind of reaching close to what I think they're going to be able to do, I like them against the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders kind of turning over their whole offensive line to me, that is begging for Fangio to kind of roast them. Um, I think Carr will do some, like mitigate some of the damage, but I do think that could be pretty good for the Broncos. Uh, and I don't think their defense, like their defense will probably be closer to average, but I don't think their defense is going to be great. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the the Raiders are another one of those teams. It, it's always tough whenever you're talking about teams in the division. Yeah. Um, because I mean, you can be a terrible team and you're, you're facing a team twice a year. You're facing a team you play twice a year, every single year. There's always bound to be, uh, you know, some upsets here and there. So, I mean, I, I could definitely see it being, you know, um, you know, one and one against the Raiders. That's that's the sort of team that I could see, um, you know, maybe uh, splitting and going 500 with. But I can definitely see that uh, as being, you know, two winnable games against them as well. Yeah, one thing that always makes me nervous is Gruden. Like, I think Gruden. Like, we get caught on Gruden as a head coach, but like Gruden as a play caller is pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Browns are another one of those games, and again, I'm I'm not trying to you know sip haterade here, but the Browns to me look like a tough game for the Broncos just from matchup perspective. And then also they're a very good team. Um, Clowney, I think Clowney's kind of a little overrated as an edge rusher, but I think when teams move him around and use him as like a stand up and kind of like play games with him, he can cause problems And the Broncos, their interior offensive line, Dalton Reisner's had problems with speed again, the center situation. So like, I'm nervous about that, especially with miles Garrett on the, like 
also being able to make make the most of that. Yeah, the, the Browns, I think, finally showed what they can do last year. Uh, and, you know, that's that's being a really good team, you know, on both sides of the ball. Um, so, you know, if you can still win against the Browns, I think that's huge. But I, I think you're going into it, uh, you know, from a fan perspective, thinking you're probably not going to be able to get that one. Yeah, I think I think like the recipe for that one is try and get enough of a lead that you have to make Baker win it instead of them play like ground and pound because ground and pound, I think, is bad, especially with Fangio playing too high just because like they'll be able to probably run enough and they'll stay committed to it enough to like be able to move the ball. And then yeah. Baker kind of stays out of situations where he'll do too much and get in trouble. Yeah, um, exactly. Baker just, you know, run game and, and go into the tight end. That's, that's Baker's forte right there. So if you can get him out of that, I think you have a chance. Where do you land on the NFC East? Uh, and, and I know <laughs> like, I, I know that's like the joke is always, you know, the NFC least, but like, I think the Cowboys are back. They're going to not, I think it's almost, their defense almost has to be better than last year. And their defense was starting to show signs at the end of last year that like there's talent there, but it just, I think Nolan was kind of, kind of over his head in over his head a little bit. And I think that should be better. And then obviously Dak being healthy. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I, I think Dallas will be back. I think they will be a, a solid team. Um, you know, they're going to definitely be around that 500 mark, maybe a little bit higher. I, I don't know if you're looking at like a, a 12 win team or anything out of them, but I think they're, they're going to be back. They're going to play a lot better. Um, I think Washington's going to be a surprising team. Uh, their defense is going to be really good. Their front seven is probably one of the best in the, in the league. Uh, obviously you look at the offensive side of the ball. You have Ryan Fitzpatrick as your quarterback now, um, which, you know, he's, he's going to get you some games here and there. So I don't know how many they're going to win, uh, you know, from the offensive side, their defense is going to definitely keep them in games. Uh, they're probably going to steal a couple games as well. I could see this being sort of that game where sort of that trap game, you think you're going in like, all right, this offense isn't any good. We're going to be able to take advantage here. And then that defense comes out and steals, uh, steals the game for them. So I think Washington's a, a tricky game. Uh, I think they'll definitely, um, you know, be kind of that team that may not, you know, get over the hump and, and be that top tier team, but they're going to definitely play, uh, you know, play the team where they're coming in and, and they're knocking some uh, some big teams off, I think, here and there. Uh, and then you look at the Eagles and and the Giants. You know, we talked about the Giants already. The Eagles, there's a lot of question marks there. Yeah. It's not a good roster. A lot of tough contracts, uh, you know, on that team that they just kind of have to, you know, roll through right now. Um, but the Eagles, you know, that, that's always a team that could come out and, and surprise, you know, a game here and there. Um, so it's, yeah, the NF NFC East as a whole uh, probably isn't, uh, you know, in the top tier, probably not in the top half of, of the divisions in the league. Um, but there's some teams there that could be a little scary, uh, you know, on a week by week basis. I was really surprised, like, because I, one of the things I did last weekend, because I, I found myself a little bit of extra time, is I went through and I read, like, all the chapters, the FOA for each, you know, each team that the Broncos are going to play. I was surprised where the projections with the Eagles landed, just because I, like, I look at that roster and it looks to me like one of the four or five worst rosters in football. Um, I think I'm underestimating just like their injury, like the injuries last year, but also I don't believe in hurts. Um, that said, yeah. I, if, if they trade for Deshaun and I know like, we don't know, but like the rumor right now is basically like, they're going to be the team to try and trade for Deshaun Watson. And again, like, I'm not trying to, you know, overlook, like, I'm you know, you almost have to compartmentalize like the player versus all the allegations against him. Yeah. And I'm not trying to excuse any of that stuff. But if he's playing against the Broncos, like, yeah, that team does worry me a good bit just because he's so good. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that changes the whole dynamic of that team. 
Um, obviously, it depends on what, what they're yeah. going to have to give up for him. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of pick-based uh, stuff, but they'll probably have to give up some starters as well. Um, so as long as they're not completely dismantling the team to, to get him, um, yeah, I think with him playing, it, you know, going up against a guy like that is always tough each week. So then the Broncos have a bye, and I I don't know if you've ever looked at anything like this, so I have nothing to back this up beyond like my own general feelings. I like late buys. I think late buys are better for teams, especially if you're actually in the middle of it, just because you have kind of a little bit of a reprieve to kind of get ready for the second half and then the playoffs. Because I, with the Chiefs in the division, I do not expect the Broncos to get a bye. Like I, I'm not trying again. Anyone listening, I'm not trying to you know hate on this, but it's just the Chiefs are probably going to win the division. Um, so the Broncos are probably going to have to go to the play like through the wild card if they're going to make the playoffs. So having that late buy could be a big, big help. Yeah, I, I've been a, I've been an advocate of the late buy as well. Um, honestly, I think you know just looking at schedules here and there, there are some of the the better teams that will get that you know week four, week five buy and, and end up you know doing well in the playoffs and everything. Um, but you know if you know I'm looking at a schedule, I want the schedule the way I want it. I'm going to look for a buy right around week 10 to week 12. So I think this is perfect, especially in this situation, especially over the last couple of years with the injuries as well. So you never know what's going to happen early in the year. Get that, that buy in the middle of the season to maybe get some guys healthy as well. Definitely. And the cool thing is too, if you end up having anybody on IR, that still counts as a week. So it helps you come back a little bit faster. That helped the Broncos in 2019 with Tim Patrick. Um, so after the buy, the Broncos start to actually really hit the AFC West schedule. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of like, we'll take that part apart in a second. Um, Cause outside the AFC West, the Broncos have the Lions, the Bengals. I like the Broncos against both the Lions and the Bengals. Um, I think the Lions are either them or the Texans are probably the worst teams in football this year. Uh, I think the Lions are kind of in denial about it. Is it almost seems like, like they, they want to compete, but they also have a very weak roster. Yeah, I'm a Lions fan, so Sorry, I, I will no, tell I, I, you. <laughs> I will tell you exactly that that the Lions have probably one of the worst rosters in the league. Um, they have a lot of bad contracts, uh, you know, that they're stuck with. Um, I, I love what they did in the draft. I think they had, you know, the best or one of the best drafts. I love what uh, Dan Campbell um, and Brad Holmes have come in and done. Um, but I I don't know if they're necessarily in denial because I think this new regime kind of realizes what the roster actually is. We almost have to just throw out the best that we can this year uh, and, and, you know, see what happens and just get some of these contracts off the books after this year and, and then kind of start to take it from there. Um, I, I do think, you know, I, I probably am looking at the Broncos being the Lions in this game. Um, but you look at, at week 14, again, later in the season, uh, you know, a lot of things can happen at that point. Um, you know, maybe this team starts to mesh a little bit, steals a game here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely not expecting the Lions to, to win more than, you know, five or six games. And I get like, just to clarify, cause I guess like how I mean when I say like in denial is just like, they, they got golf, like, whereas like the Texans, they grabbed Tyra Taylor and again, not to hate Tyra Taylor, but I would think Jared Goff gives you more confidence in your starting quarterback than Tyra Taylor. So like, it's almost like back when the Dolphins signed Ryan Fitzpatrick or even last year when the Carolina Panthers signed Teddy Bridgewater you're making yourself essentially tank proof. Like there, it's going to be really hard to bottom out to be like a zero to like two win team to like really lock up the first overall pick. Whereas like the Texans almost look like they're diving headfirst into that. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think you're right. Uh, I think with Jared Goff, like again, he has really regressed the last couple of yeah. years and it's, it's been rough. 
Um, but you're looking at a guy who still does have a few years left on his contract. Maybe you're getting a guy, you know, change the scenery um, and, and just kind of limit things, limit his focus a little bit um, to what he can do best. Um, and, and maybe he can he can kind of improve after a year or two. And because then at that point, you can kind of see what you have with him. If you want to extend extend him, go for it. If not, then you're, you're probably you're obviously like we just said, you know, you're probably not looking at. Uh, you know, two or three wins and you're not looking at maybe the first or second pick, but you're probably looking at that top five, mm-hmm. um, you know, six, seven in there. And if you do really feel that golf isn't the guy, you still are in a position that you can get a quarterback if you need to. Well, and one of the things I really like about that golf trade is the fact that they collected picks to take him. Uh, Cause yeah. to me, I mean, again, like if you know, you might be bad, but you kind of want to give everyone a chance, try and collect picks because if you want to try and move on from him next year, they have the ammo to do it. Uh, yep. Another thing I really like, I loved Panay Sewell, uh, so I thought that was good. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of people, and again, Broncos country tends to do this, they'll see a rookie on the schedule and they say, Bon Miller, better tear him up. And then Panay Sewell actually like, has one of those performances like, oh yeah, Panay Sewell, actually that's why he was heralded as one of the best tackles. Yeah, for sure. And, and I messed with some of the guys that uh, you know work here in like January saying that like, hey, Panay Sewell is going to, fall to the lines at number seven, knowing that there was no possibility of that ever happening. And then all of a sudden draft night comes around and, and he does fall to seven. So I, hey, I was super stoked about it. I, I think, you know, they're really building an offensive line and that's something they've sort of lacked, um, you know, in the past, they've had a couple pieces here and there, but I think they're really starting to build that offensive line. And I think that's what you have to do. Um, you know, you look at some of these other teams that did that, that's what you have to do to be a good football team. Well, and again, not to get too stuck on the lines, but that's one of the things I think like when you know that your team might not necessarily be good, investing in young linemen early makes sense because the developmental track for offensive linemen takes a minute. And so they're they're you're collecting a foundation without necessarily hurting your chances to kind of lose games to get a quarterback or get whatever else you want. Because again, like odds are he's not going to be as good this year as he is two years down the road. Like that's when he'll start to peak. So yeah, exactly. I, I do like the process that they've taken. I just, again, I, I just think Bob Quinn really guys, set you guys up for. Yeah. For a rough goal yeah. <laughs> he did not put us in a good situation. Uh, the Bengals though, to me are. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I feel, I feel really conflicted about the Bengals because I like some of the stuff they've done, but I also think that they've left themselves really open to some really bad matchups. The fact that their offensive line is so shaky. I like, I don't really believe in their defensive coordinator. And I just think like, again, I feel like they're going to be an exciting bad team. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that, you're looking at an offense that can definitely put some numbers up, but yeah, I worry about the offensive line. It, the offensive line has not been good for a long time now, and they they don't really seem to make the moves to really sure up the spots that that have really been issues for them. Um, obviously, I love Burrow, I love Chase, Higgins, Mixon, those those guys. I think they're gonna definitely put up numbers. Um, I, I just worry, you know, hopefully Burrow doesn't get hurt again with that uh, that offensive line, and then the defense. The defense, you know, one week can play well, and then the next week get completely blown out. So. Uh, yeah, that's one of those games where it, it's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde whenever you play in each week. So kind of a, like, again, like, as I said with the AFC West, 
where do you think the Broncos like realistically? Because again, like I'm I'm in it, like so I'm drinking the Kool Aid every day. Where do you yeah, think the it, Broncos really stack up with the other teams in the SOS? Because like obviously, like when I look at quarterback, I think the Broncos are in the fourth best situation, unless you know Locke makes a huge jump. But the rest of the roster, I like a lot of the roster compared to the other. But like again, I may very well just be blind to it. Yeah, I mean, like we've talked about in the past, I think the Broncos roster, they they have a good roster. They have a good nucleus. They have a lot of pieces. Um, but then again, you look at you know the, the rest of the division, the rest of the division does too. Um, so it, unfortunately, it's not in that position where, you know, you can stack up and say, hey, we're better than this team at, at uh, you know, this position. I think you do stack up, you know, and, and kind of match up with them a little bit better, um, you know, kind of on the same plane. Um, but you know, all in all, you're, you're looking at a really good division, obviously the chiefs super bowl, the last couple of years, um, they've won the division for five years in a row now. So that's, uh, going to be tough to, you know, tough hurdle to overcome. Um, the chargers, you're looking at a couple of young guys, you know, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen out there on offense when healthy, I think their defense is actually one of the better ones in the NFL. They've had so many injuries on that defense the last few years. Uh, Derwin James, I think can be a stud, but he just you know keeps getting hurt. Uh, and then the Raiders, we talked about them. I, th- I think they are a little bit up and coming. Um, you know, they've been right around that 500 mark, uh, you know, for a while now. I think they're sort of in the same situation as the Broncos. I can kind of see them taking that next step. Uh, but then I could also see them, you know, regressing just a little bit as well. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of people questioning their their draft strategy the last couple of years. Uh, and, you know, if they hit, then I, I think they're fine. But if you know, those guys do end up, you know, regressing and, and not being as good as a lot of people thought they would be, um, then I could definitely see them sort of decline a little bit. But as a whole, obviously, this is a, definitely one of the toughest divisions in the league. So if you had to kind of look back on it, um, and again, I'm not, I don't want to put you too much on the spot with it, but like what really looks to you, like when you're looking at the schedule, if you had to say one game is basically a guaranteed win and, and you don't have to pick the lines, like I'm not trying to do that to you. But, but yeah. if you're looking at schedule, if you had to say like, like the Broncos will not go winless no matter what, there's one game on the schedule that they almost have to win. Is there any that stick out to you? I think you have to look at the Jets. And I think it's sort of what we just talked about. Yeah. What you brought up about Zach Wilson. He's not still not in camp yet. Obviously, it's still early, but every single day for a quarterback, especially and for a rookie, uh, he needs to be in camp. Um, and obviously, that's it's not a great roster. Um, they're, they, you know, they were picking second for a reason. Um, they did bring in a, a new coaching staff. Uh, I, I do like what they're, what they're trying to build there. Um, but again, if you're playing the jets, maybe in, in the back half of the season, I think it's a different story, but I think you have to take advantage of that roster, take advantage of a young quarterback in week three. Um, and, and I think that's the one that you really have to, to go get, because if you do end up losing that one, you know, you probably steal one here and there. Um, but I, I think that's a tough one to swallow if you, if you do lose that game. Definitely. So then on the other side of it, and I'm going to, I'm going to take away the chiefs. So you can't just tell me chiefs because I, I think okay. everybody agrees that the chiefs are the hardest matchup on the Broncos schedule. Uh, but outside of the chiefs, what game really sticks out to you is like, if the Broncos win this, like they might be doing something. I think you have to look at the Ravens. I, you know, you're looking at a, a Super Bowl contending team. I know this is probably the cop out answer, but no, honestly, like if you if you give, uh, you know, you play those first three weeks and you maybe get two and one or three and zero, oh, and then you go out and beat the Ravens as well, then I think you're you're looking at a team who has a lot of confidence, looking at a team who's playing really well, uh, and, and you're kind of rolling through that middle of the schedule, you know, with a few wins under your belt, uh, and, and one of them being the Ravens. I think that's huge. Um, you know, and, and playing them early, I, I think is good. 
because I think those sort of teams are tough to play later in the season. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, it sets up well for them to be two and one or three, and know, going into that Ravens game. And if they do come out uh, and end up beating them, I think you're looking at a team who could be for real. I kind of feel like I like I can picture the, like like the headlines and like the the magazine covers of like four no and then they're like you know Von Miller sacking Lamar or something and that's like the game yeah. that, that happens and then there's a letdown game that's my fear because I mean like again I hate the Steelers like if the Broncos lose the Ravens but beat the Steelers I'll probably be okay unless it yeah. ends up having playoff implications later but uh, yeah that, that's a tough little stretch there so you kind of you hope you can steal one here and there so you never know definitely. Uh, so kind of, and again, I know we've touched on this, but the fact that the Broncos have essentially what I consider probably a, definitely a playoff worthy roster. Um, but honestly, like I, I feel like in a lot of positions, again, there's a lot of if thens, but if the Broncos have like a realistic, optimistic kind of like outlook on most of the season, like everybody kind of comes back, makes a little bit of the jump. And I know you and I've talked about this before, but if, if everybody kind of like comes back, stays healthy, Von Miller is back to like 2019 ish form about there and all that it looks like a super bowl caliber roster except for quarterback to me and that's like the big question um but are there any like other spots outside of that that like kind of stick out at you as like there it's some shaky there's some shakiness to this like you're putting a lot of hope um on the table yeah i think you know i i think there are a lot of spots that you know are pretty uh you know solidified um, but I think, you know, a couple of spots that we've talked about in the past, I'm sure we'll bring this up with, you know, roster battles and stuff. You look at center and then maybe the right tackle position as well. Um, you, you, you're looking at a quarterback, you know, you're a quarterback away essentially, but if you have, you know, some, some of those pieces on the offensive line that aren't, you know, great pieces, then that's just going to look, you know, make that, that quarterback position a little bit tougher to look at. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you need to have a solid offensive line to be able to give whoever is going to play quarterback the best opportunity to, to kind of thrive and get these wins. Um, so I, I think those are two places that, you know, there's a lot of questions, um, but it also can go either way. They could, you know, definitely play better than, um, you know, than what we think. Uh, but then they could also be like, okay, there was a, a roster battle at, at these positions for a reason. So um, yeah, other than that, I, I think it's a pretty solid roster. Um, the fact that the Broncos signed Ben Jones this late in the process to me is a sign that they definitely aren't sold on center yet. Uh, and again, like it's the first, you know, it's very early, but, but signing Brett, uh, Brett Jones, instead of having Patrick Morris, when they had Patrick Morris in camp the last couple of years is a sign to me that he wasn't going to push these guys. They want to have somebody that if these two fail, like Quinn Miners, like Cushenberry, for those of you listening, if the two youngsters fail, they want somebody who Peyton's familiar with, who has worked in the Shermer offense, who can probably step in and reasonably play at like at least a baseline level. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why you're bringing in guys like that, uh, you know, to compete, um, make sure there's no complacency, um, you know, among some of these guys. So um, yeah, especially if that's a, that's an area of concern, you don't really know there's going to be a battle there. Um, not, why not bring in a veteran just to kind of, to compete uh, with a couple of young guys for sure. So before I really start to dig into the battles too much, I want to know, like, are there any spots that like, and again, I feel like I'm super optimistic about all the positions you should be optimistic about anyway, but is there any that you're optimistic about that? Like maybe aren't getting the credit. Cause I know like everybody's kind of sipping the Kool-Aid on the, no, like the no fly zone too, like quote unquote. Um, basically every time the Broncos invest in the secondary, that's what you hear about. But the, the secondary looks really good if they're healthy. Um, but like outside of stuff like that, like, is there any, any position groups that really jump out to you as like, this could be special. 
I don't think so. Not not something that hasn't already been you know brought up quite a bit. I do think the secondary is one of those spots. I, I'm always a little bit hesitant with Ronald Darby. I think he's one guy that I, I get a little worried about. Um, but if he does play to the caliber that he you know has shown in the past, um, and at, at least be you know more than adequate, uh, and, and then plus you have Sertan coming in as well, um, I, I think that could be something special. Um, but outside of that, I, I think everywhere that that you look, that you know is getting the hype is, is definitely warranted. So um, yeah, there, there's definitely battles, but there's spots out there that are looking pretty good right now. So I want to kind of pick at the Darby stuff because I think I land in a similar boat to you. Um, so I went back and I watched his Washington tape and there's a couple. And again, this is one of those things that made me really nervous about. And again, I think I've talked to you about this before, but the Broncos paid him coming off a, the best year of his career. Like, and that's, that's always makes you kind of pause. Uh, basically last year was the one year he was healthy. Uh, but at the same time, like he looked pretty good. Um, then the fact that they doubled down and got Sertan kind of helps me feel a little better just because like he could potentially serve as insurance if Darby slides or gets hurt or Callahan gets hurt um, or, or even Fuller does not live up to what we hope he is under Fangio. So like, I like that they continued to throw darts at the secondary. Um, one thing that's kind of in a lot of my conversations, it seems to come up. And again, I think I'm starting to buy into this um, according to SIS's charting. Uh, Fangio used nickel or dime on 75% uh, or no nickel or dime or even quarter um, very, very seldomly, but I know they did it a little bit on 75% of their snaps last year. And this is with 10 cornerbacks playing. Um, So part of me kind of reads that. And I think, are they going to try to move to more dime as the idea of like, you can pull Josie jewel off the field because he's a little bit more limited in space, get more, more DBs on the field. Cause they have tech. You'd think they have the DBs. Like if I was playing Madden, this that's what I'm doing. Obviously, life is not mad, and it's a little bit different. Um, do you think that makes sense, though, or like why, why not? Like, kind of like where do you land on it? I think it does make sense. Um, you know, that cornerback group, it could still use a little bit more improvement. Obviously, you have um, you know Sertan, who, who's going to be a rookie. I'm sure he's going to have plenty of growing pains and things like that. Um, but I, I think it's definitely going to be better than last year. Obviously, the injuries went through tons of tons of corners. I think it does have have enough manpower that if you do want to put more three and four corner, um, you know, uh, schemes and, and formations out there. You definitely can do that. Um, I think it sets up better that way. You look at guys, you know, obviously we said Fuller and Darby, but then now you have Sertan, Callahan, Ojemudia. Um, I think there's enough guys out there that, that can play in there. Um, and, and you're looking at the, the DB spot now, like, Hey, if we want to throw all these guys out there, you want to throw four receivers at us, we can play. Uh, you know, four corners to get you. We don't have to worry about that linebacker um, trying to play one of these, uh, you know, slot receivers or, or even a tight end at, at that point as well. So um, I, I do worry just a little bit because I, I think, you know, try to temper expectations just a little, but um, I, I think the the roster does allow for something like that better than it did, uh, you know, last year. One of the things I'm, so, and, I, and again, I've been playing around with this in my head because again, like if I was doing this in Madden, how would I, put who where because like Sertan to me it feels like you're almost wasting him putting him in the nickel not to say he can't mm-hmm. do it but he's clearly like the the fact that he's so good in press you're not going to get to press much out of the nickel and then what you're doing is you're then putting more stress on his lateral mobility which is probably the biggest weakness of his game just because of two-way you know like receivers are going to be able to attack inside outside a little bit more from the slot than they are from the outside so like then I start to think probably Darby because you're going to want fuller outside yeah, I, I, I think you have to keep Fuller outside. I do agree. I think Sertan can play inside, but I, I don't think I would try to throw him in there. I would definitely 
you know, put him on the outside before I try to throw him inside. If you're just trying to get everybody, you know, out there and on the field, I don't know how much Darby has played in the slot. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's I, what, yep. Yeah. That's the one thing I do worry about, you know, him being a, a veteran guy. I don't know how much he would, you know, play the slot and how well he would be able to play the slot. I, if you're trying to go with the best matchup, I probably keep Darby on the outside and I put Sertan in the slot just because I think Sertan can play it better. Um, but then if you look at Callahan, I, I probably feel okay with him playing in the slot. Ojemudia, you know, maybe bounce between the you know outside and the slot as well, but maybe more the outside. Um, I, I think there is a little bit of mix and match, but I think that is the one worry for me that if you are trying to go with four DBs uh, or four corners here, then I, I do worry about who that third guy is and who's going to play in the slot versus the outside. And I think it does have to come down between uh, Sertan and Darby because I'm not taking four out of the outside. I'm definitely leaving him out there. Um, and, and I would probably put Sertan in the slot, even though I do agree with you. I, I think you're kind of wasting what he can do uh, if you put him in there. And so that might actually be one of the arguments against using dime to get like all together, not against it altogether, but like against using it more is the fact that you're still yeah. going to have that problem with the overlap with their skill sets. Yeah, absolutely. If you're trying to get all the best players out there, I think you can make it happen. But if you're trying to go with the best, you know, getting the players in the best position for them to succeed their best skill set, it may not warrant, uh, you know, going for DBs a lot. That makes sense. And the, and the other part of that, and again, not, not to get off on tangent, but, but the other part of that is the the fact that the Broncos play so many light boxes. Take then doing that, but also taking Jewel off the field, then you're even lighter. So like, it, I, I I've been going back and forth on this just because again, like, and again in Madden, I'm doing it. Like I might even run yeah. quarters because again, like with Ojemudia, you might be able to do that against real speed teams, and everybody wants to pass in Madden anyway. Mm-hmm. Real life obviously yeah. is the same. You have to actually have a run defense, so. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think you're looking at at least you have some linebackers, uh, you know, on the roster who have, who have played a lot of coverage. Um, you know, if you did, uh, you know, if you had a tough time where you have just like these downhill guys haven't played much coverage, then, you know, I'm probably leaning towards trying to put four corners out there. Um, but you have some some linebackers that are comfortable out there. Uh, you know, if you really have to leave them out there and just go with three corners, I think you're fine doing that. Since we're talking linebackers, one of the prevalent narratives with the linebackers Alexander Johnson, Josie Jewell is because they're not necessarily fast. They're bad in coverage. I don't think they're great. Like they're not Fred Warner, obviously, but like they're, they're decent. Like they're, they're, they're good at what Fangio asks them to do is like how I would try and describe it. Like, am I, again, am I wrong there? Or like, how do no, you I mean, mean that? Yeah, I think that's fine. I obviously haven't watched, you know, those linebackers enough to give a, a huge opinion, but you know, you don't necessarily have to be fast to be good in coverage. Like you were saying. I think, you know, a lot of it comes down to instincts. A lot of it comes down to, to film review, just kind of knowing what's happening and kind of going with it. Um, and, and these guys are comfortable out there. That's that's another one of the big things. I think being comfortable on coverage is a lot of things some linebackers are just not good at. Um, they have a tough time out there, and, and these guys know how to do it. Um, they know what's happening. They know exactly what you were saying. They know what's asked of them, uh, and, and they can they can make it happen. They can succeed at that. Um, and, and yeah, you know, they they may not be fast. They may not be able to stay with these speedy slot receivers or anything, but if you ask them to go up against a tight end or a running back, you know, for the most part, they're going to be able to do enough to, you know, to limit what they're able to do. Yeah. So the position battles, because obviously we're in training camp, but these are, so by and large, like the Broncos, most of their position groups barring injury look pretty like they have a planned starter in mind. But there's a few that are pretty wide open, obviously quarterback. But but the other one, I think we touched on center. Um, and again, like, Cushionberry was bad last year. So to me, like, 
just because he has that year of experience does not guarantee like the Broncos still invested a third round pick to get Quinn Miners and they signed Brent Jones. Like they obviously do not want to just settle on Cushenberry. Yeah, I yeah, I think so. That's that's the thing. I think Cushenberry, he does, you know, like you said, he has that one year of experience, but he was one of the worst centers in the league last year. Um, it, it's tough to say that he's really gonna take that next jump. You know, we were worried he was a little undersized as it is anyway. Um, I, I think Miners, it, it is kind of a double-edged sword though. Miners is that guy. He does have a little flexibility. He can play center. Maybe he can play guard. Uh, probably fits better as a center. But you're looking at a guy, if, if you get what, you know, you saw at the senior bowl, you're getting a guy that, you know, I think he can be a really good center. But if you look at the 2019 season in the film, he wasn't that type of guy. So he kind of came out of nowhere. So if you're getting the guy who played a full season in 2019 at just an adequate level, I think it's going to be kind of a toss up. Um, but if that's the guy, you know, that you're getting who was out there at the senior bowl, you know, bullying guys around and things, then, then I think he's the guy. Um, you know, Cushenberry, I'm, I'm kind of surprised, uh, was able to come in and play, you know, just about every game last year and everything anyway. Um, but I, I don't think he's he's the type of guy that you just lean on and rely on. Uh, you know, I think it is a smart decision. But make that battle with Miners and then signing that veteran as well uh, to come in and, and just help compete. Is You've watched a lot of Graham Glasgow, obviously, as a Lions fan. Do you think there remains a possibility that they end up having to move Glasgow down to center and just finding somebody to play that right guard spot? Because that seems to be, like, a lot of fans throw that out there of, like, oh, if the two do fail, like, let's just do this. It'll be fine. Like, to me, the one concern is, like, I think Glasgow's a pretty decent, like, again, not a star by any means, but, like, I liked what he did at guard when he was healthy. Again, he wins ugly, but he has mobility. He holds up in pass protection. He knows his job. And again, like with Cushenberry between him and Reisner, having two reliable guards to me is pretty important. And I kind of worry about what happens if you suddenly have a very inexperienced right guard as well. Yeah, I, I think Glasgow probably is that better guard. And if you can leave him at guard, I, I think that's the way you go. Uh, you know, he did play center for the Lions. Um, he, he was okay. He wasn't great. But I think whenever he moved to guard, he definitely improved. Um I think just getting, you know, snapping and everything off of his mind and, and things, I think that actually helped him. Um, you know, if you did have, obviously it's, it's great to have the versatility. It's great yeah. to, to know that if you have to, you know, move him down to center, you can. Um, but I think you're, you're probably throwing out the best, you know, offensive line if you can keep him at guard. Um, you know, ideally, if it is cushion barrier minors, you play one of those guys at center. Um, and, and I feel pretty good about the rest of the offensive line. Um, but if, you know, you're moving Glasgow down, you know, is minors a guard? Maybe, maybe not. Do you have to try to find somebody else to fill in there as well? You know, probably, um, now I have more questions, I think, than, you know, if you're, if you're just leaving him at card. Who do you think wins the right tackle battle? Honestly, this one, this is a tough one. I think it's a toss up. I, if I had to pick one, I think it's Massey. Um, but you know, I, you know, Fleming's a guy that, you know, could come out there and, and, and play well. He played pretty, he played okay last year. Um, I, I think he can come out and compete. Um, but I think Massey's probably the better option. Um, but honestly, I, I think you're looking at just kind of a toss up there. Whoever plays best throughout training camp, um, that's probably who I'm giving the spot. The one big worry I have with Fleming is running stunts against him. When I was watching their tape, it just seemed like that was – he has moments where if you run two bodies at him, he'll freeze up because he does not know who to block. And all of a sudden they both go free. And I, 
that makes me nervous. I, I liked him a lot more, in, like as a run blocker. Um, mm-hmm. and I and I I do think that he has more power than Massey. Massey, there's times where, and and I've said this before. So like for for those of you listening, like you've heard this, but like he he's tall and he has long arms, but he doesn't always seem to play tall with long arms. Like he'll give up leverage, but also guys will be able to get into his body. So like I and and again like I'm. I'm I hate the fact that the Broncos waited this long to get their right tackle. And again, like I, I don't want to beat the dead horse with it, but it's just, it's frustrating. Cause again, like there was answers there and they didn't take one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a tough spot. I, I think you're okay with one of these guys, you know, as long as they can play adequate uh, and not get the quarterback killed. Uh, I think you're fine. But I, I think one of these guys, it's better than, uh, the the alternative for some of these other teams, I think, are right tackles. I think you're looking at you know whoever plays the best throughout training camp uh, and, and really wins the job. I think you're going to be okay with them. Cool. I feel a little better knowing that. Uh, Hopefully. So, because you're down on Darby, do you think there's a chance uh, Sertan steals his starting job? I think they paid Darby, so like that creates a problem there. But at the same mm-hmm. time, like I do think there's a decent chance Sertan outplays him. I, I, I agree. I think that. There is the possibility that Sertan plays better, but I, I think you run Darby out there at least for the first few weeks of the year. You, like you said, you paid him. I think you have to see that you know he's going to be the guy that can be out there and almost his job to lose, even going into the season. Um, and you hope that obviously Sertan, being a rookie, he's going to have uh, you know those spells uh, you know early in his career. But I think he's going to be your better option eventually, anyway. Um, but you put Darby out there at least, you know, three or four weeks, see what he can do. If he's playing well and, and what you thought he can do, you know, I, I think I leave him out there. Um, again, maybe we put Sertan in the, uh, in the slot and just, you know, kind of go from there. Um, but if Darby's kind of struggling a little bit, uh, Sertan is still, you know, taking, taking steps and progressing, uh, you know, in practices and, and however much game time he is playing, then I'd probably throw, throw Sertan out there and, uh, you know, get Darby off the field. Um, but I, I honestly, I, I don't think it's really a battle in training camp. I think it's Darby's job going into the season. Um, but you at least run him out there for a couple of weeks and then kind of see from there. How do you think things break down between Hamler versus Patrick? Cause I think, I, I think we agree that Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are almost definitely starting if they're healthy, but that wide receiver three spot, like I personally think they might do a rotation. Um, but like tech, like we're, we, you know, Broncos country, we're all going to be looking to who's actually going to be wide receiver three. Uh, and a lot of people consider Tim Patrick because of last season, he's the better option because he did put up the numbers. They drafted KJ Hamler second round. Does, does it depend on quarterback? Like, what do you think about that? I mean, if you're looking at, if you're looking at who's better as a third receiver, as like a slot receiver, I'm probably going to say Hamler is more of that prototypical slot receiver, Like you're not, Hamler's not going to be a guy that's going to line up with the outside. You can kind of do a little bit more with Hamler. I think, um, you know, especially in the slot, you can run him on, you know, reverses and different things like that. Just get the ball in his hands. But if you're looking at last year's performance, Tim Patrick played really well. He basically split his time between the slot and the outside. I think Patrick has more of the prototypical outside type of skill yeah. set. Um, so if you're looking at, you know, if, if I'm taking Judy or Sutton off the field and I need a number three, I'm putting in Patrick. I'm not putting in Hamler uh, unless you're, you know, looking at just the twins on one side of the field. Uh, where you only have two receivers anyway, then maybe maybe Hammer's out there in the slot. Um, but I think Patrick, he, he has the versatility to play both of those spots. You know, last year's performance played really well. Um, I think you kind of see if that sort of translates into this year. Um, you know, obviously it was probably the best season of his career. 
Um, so kind of what he did, see see if that can kind of continue progressing. I think eventually you're probably looking at Hamler being a number three. Um, you know, you hope that he can kind of take the take the next step. I worry about the size. Obviously, he's a small guy. Um, but you know, if he has the speed and he has the skill set um, that you want in in that speedy old slot receiver, I think he can he can be something that you kind of get the ball in his hands and let him do you know what he can with it. Um, but yeah, that that's a tough question. I I do think you're looking at the the skill set, sort of what depending on um, you know what you're looking for in terms of the formation um, and and what you're asking exactly. Hamler's probably the best bet as a true slot receiver. But as if, as just the number three overall, I, I don't think uh, you can you know, discount Patrick at all. The one, so when Patrick and Sutton kind of first were together, one of the things that because they have very similar like pro, like they look like X receivers. They're both big receivers. They're yeah. not necessarily like, and Sutton's a little bit better like laterally. He's definitely a little bit more explosive stuff like that. But they have pretty similar like similar skill sets. You don't think that there's too much overlap between those two? I don't. Like, I'm not. I'm not. You know, trying to throw you into a trap or anything. But no, I don't think so. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Sutton's a good a good receiver. It'd be one thing if you're, you know, overlapping a, a number four receiver or something like that. But yeah. you're looking at a really good receiver in Sutton. And if I have a guy that that overlaps with him and is, uh, you know, has a lot of his skill set and things like that, I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, I'll try to do what I can in in the formation to get these guys the ball and get them, you know, onto the field essentially. And, and one of the things I, I need to go back and actually look at how the receiver, like the formations broke down, how they were used a little bit more, because that was something I didn't do enough of kind of before I looked at the receiver room. Cause you raise a good point with like when they're using twins versus when they're actually bringing out three receivers versus cause that, that could be a big, di- like, again, the Broncos are have almost an embarrassment of riches if all four receivers make the improvements we hope. And then it's just a matter of like, how do you actually maximize what they can do? Exactly. I, I think you're going to have, uh, you know, formations that are set for these guys. Obviously, Hamler, you're going to give him certain formations that are set purely for him. Um, but, you know, it's it's definitely nice to have Patrick, who's able to play both spots, kind of play anywhere, really. Um, just in case, you know, if he is coming in for the number three uh, guy in the slot, great. You know, if he's coming in for Sutton, coming in for Judy, he can kind of do everything. So it's nice to have that versatility for sure. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So I know you and I have talked about the running back room before because, like, I am sky high on Javante Williams. Uh, I, I And again, like, the more I've thought about it, I've kind of, like, solidified this. And again, I think you've heard, like, I think Melvin Gordon basically is passing down touches just because I think Shermer's going to trust him at least early on because he's seen the looks. And I think like Javante Williams will probably start to carve out a role with like as a backup and then he'll, his role grow as the year goes on. And then maybe Mike Boone eats some of those carries as the, the number three. Uh, do you think it could shake out differently in any way? I don't think so. I, I agree with you. I, I think it's Melvin Gordon's you know spot. I, I think he's going to start the season. I do agree. I, I think Javante Williams, obviously we were highly rated on him. You love him as well. Um, I, I think he's a guy that's eventually going to be a starter, and, and I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. 
Um, but you have a guy like Mel- Melvin Gordon. I think you're throwing him out there at least for you know the first few weeks of the season, maybe first half of the season. Start to incorporate Javante Williams a little bit more into the offense as the season goes, and, and maybe by you know midseason or, or the second half of the season, he's your guy. Um, but I, I don't think there's any way you go into the 2022 season with Javante Williams not being your starter. Yeah. So you're looking at, uh, you know, this season just kind of, uh, you know, feeding him a little bit and kind of getting his feet wet. Broncos got a red shirt running back. Absolutely. But hey, he's, he's a good one though. Oh I'll, yeah, definitely. Take that. Uh, that kind of moves me. So before we get into like the position battle, a lot of people are probably listening for, uh, Big Fangio and the coaching staff. I want to touch on this just because one of the most prevalent, like I get browbeat with this all the time is like, who cares about the quarterback? Vic Fangio is a terrible head coach. He's just a good defensive coordinator. One thing that I think is like parts of it is fair and parts of it isn't. I, and again, like I know you and I've talked about this before, the fact that he's had so many quarterbacks he's had to deal with all the injuries, all that stuff. But at the same time, like when I've looked at the numbers, like his clock management does show up as a pretty big issue. Uh, like how, like, what does he have to do to really like, I guess, improve on that? Like, I guess, because like, I I've noticed that they tend to be pretty conservative with punting, um, stuff like that. And then again, like I know analytics is pushing the ball forward on this a lot, but also like some of like, I, I personally just think that that's probably one of the biggest issues that kind of catches up to him timeout usage, stuff like that. Like, and some of it's fair. Um, like, where do you land on that? Yeah, it's, you know, you're looking at a, a head coach, I would say clock management and just, you know, timeout usage, different things like that. That's probably your biggest thing, uh, you know, on the sidelines. And honestly, I'm probably more on the side of him being that really good defensive coordinator and just, you know, a little bit overmatched as the head coach. Um, he kind of falls into that that bucket, you know, a Mike Martz, a Rod Marinelli, Gus Bradley, those guys – really good coordinators, but whenever they came out and, and were a head coach, they just, they weren't great. Um, and, and the tough thing is like, you know, you and I, we're not, you know, in the locker room, yeah. we're not around these guys. So it's hard to really know if a position coach or a, or a coordinator is going to become a good head coach. Like you can, you know, obviously see traits and different things like that, but unless you're really in the room with them, it's hard to really tell. So you don't really know if a guy's going to be a good head coach or not until he actually is one. And, you know, all those guys I just mentioned, you know, they were great coordinators. Obviously, they're going to get their shot to be a good head coach. And, you know, they weren't great at it. And they went back to being good coordinators again. Um, I, I think Fangio probably is in that that bucket a little bit. Um, they, you know, a good team can kind of help him out a little bit. But like you said, the clock management, definitely an issue. Um, I, I think he's a really de- good defensive coordinator. I think he's a really good coach. Um, but there is, uh, you know, some some issues there that, I do worry about with them, you know, for the long term. And so those things where it's just like, I know how I feel about them. It's just the numbers don't lie. So it's almost like yeah. you, you, you almost have to kind of face that. And it's, it's one of those things. And again, like trying to figure out a solution in my head. And I know like the Broncos may very well not even view this as a problem, but like, to me, it's almost like designate somebody and listen to them. And I like, that's my hope. And it, it almost seems simplistic to say that because again, like at the end of the day, like, I think if he thinks it's a problem, they probably have tried it. So, so I, yeah, that's, it's a concern of mine just because I do. Yeah. It's a whole thing, but yeah, it's a tough situation to be in. And, you know, really you you have to give those guys a little bit of time. It's tough whenever these guys get out there and they're, they're a head coach for a season, doesn't play well. 
Um, and, and, you know, you, you start to you know feel the fire a little bit, but you, you got to give them a couple of years, obviously guys that, that haven't been head coaches before, um, you know, lead, need a little bit of time to sort of transition, um, you know, cause now you're looking at an entire team instead of just one side of the ball. Uh, and there's a lot of different other aspects, like we talked about the, the, you know, timeouts, clock management, things like that, that you, you haven't had to, to really worry about, um, before. So, you know, give it a little bit of time, you know, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully it kind of develops a little bit. Um, but it, it's the same thing with coaches it is, is this with players. You just have to be able to develop and kind of take your role um, and, and kind of progress with it. Yeah. Bridgewater versus Locke. The the position battle to end all position battles. Uh, so I asked Broncos country three weeks ago what they believed. And I want to say Scotty Payne from Mile High Report asked very recently who they thought was going to win it. So overwhelmingly, Broncos country seems to believe it's going to be Drew Locke. Also, when I asked, 72% of Broncos country did not even believe it was a legitimate competition. They believed it was basically just Locke's job to lose. Um, I disagree. I think it's a legitimate competition. Uh, I don't know what you think on that. Um, but I also kind of like, where, where do you fall? Like, how do you, like, who's going to win this? I, if I had to guess, I would probably say it is a competition. Uh, I do agree with you in that that sense, but I do also agree that I think it is Locke's. Like Locke has it over Bridgewater right now. I think Locke would really have to to do a lot to lose it. I think Bridgewater would have to come out and really do a lot to win it. Um, so I do think that Locke has the edge, um, but you know I, I think there is a little competition there as well, um, and, and I think honestly that's going to help him. I I think you know he hasn't really had anybody to push him. Um, so I, I think that's going to really help. And yeah, it, it is a competition, but I, I think I do agree. I think it is Locke's job to lose. It, he does have this step up right now. So I just got to say that this is Jeff Driscoll erasure and I do not stand for it because he was so awful last year. So yeah, you're right. That was the fact that the Bronco. And again, that's the whole thing. The fact that Broncos carried Jeff Driscoll into camp last year is the, the backup still blows my mind. Um, but so kind of looking at the competition then, um, if, if it is, and again, it, the Broncos, all reports are the Broncos are going to give Locke the first snap. He will probably start the first preseason game. So like bar, you know, barring a collapse in camp up to the first preseason game. Uh, I mean, obviously I hope that he makes, you know, the Josh Allen leap that is kind of not probably going to happen. But I mean, when you look at the numbers, like it's not kind, uh, and again, like I, I say this as somebody who's it's basically you have to look for numbers to support that he was promising last year. You don't have to look for numbers to say he was bad. Uh so like how realistic does not like so first of all, how realistic is improvement to you? And like what is like in your mind like realistic improvement? It's somewhat realistic, but it's not gonna be a gigantic jump, I don't think. I, I think we've talked about the the COVID issues before yeah with with that it's it's obviously a, a huge factor last year and i think it was for everybody i think guys like drew lock who you know were, were in their second year um it was it was you know brutal for them i, I think it, it really hurt guys like that um i do think he it's realistic to say that he's going to make a jump but i do think it's unrealistic to say he's going to really make that josh allen jump maybe he if he does take that jump this year you know, maybe he could eventually get to that, you know, in, in two years or so, maybe, you know, another good year next year as well. Um, I, I do think it needs to be more than marginal. 
um, for him to really to for us to really say that he is making the jump. You know, a little marginal jump isn't really going to do much, especially for everybody that's saying that he's he's not the answer whenever you have this sort of roster. Um, but if he does give a little bit more than that, if he does look like he, hey, he, you know, he looks like a third year guy. He looks like he's been out here and, uh, you know, really improving and doing what he needs to. Then, uh, you know, I think there's a little bit of promise there. The one fear of mine, and this is, I do not believe in QB wins. Uh, I know like in ba- like in baseball and again, like I'm not a huge baseball guy, so I might be missing this too, but like pitching with wins, like seems p- pretty like pitchers have a lot of control over winning games in baseball. And I feel like a lot of people have attributed quarterbacks in a similar way because they're, they're the face everyone sees. Uh, and obviously quarterbacks do play an important role in wins. So I'm not trying to like say they don't, but if the Broncos win games because of their defense running game and all the supporting cast, my fear is even if Teddy Bridgewater or Locke are, let's say the 28th best quarterback in football, like similar to like a Mitch Trubisky year in 2018, my fear is the argument next season, like when you and I are talking after the year, it's going to be, well, they were awful, but they won games. So the Broncos are going to extend them and build around them anyway. Uh, like, am I right for kind of fearing that? Because again, like the rest of the roster looks pretty, pretty promising. And as you just said, like if Locke is making improvement, cause I think he probably should. I don't like when I looked at the numbers, I saw him jumping from like the realistic jump for quarterbacks. Oh man, I don't have the numbers in front of me. So I, I this is the whole thing. I looked at quarterbacks going back to 2000, uh, me and Joe Mahoney from my higher port. And we looked at every quarterback. I want to say it was 57 who started 16 games. And then we looked at every quarterback's next 16 starts if they got them. And then we looked at their third 16 start to like kind of see how it broke down. And we looked at passer rating. So obviously not a perfect study, but the, like the average jump is like, like, like for Locke, I want to say it was something like he's still the 25th best quarterback if he makes like a good jump by that study. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's my fear is that like, let's say he's the 25th best quarterback, but the Broncos win 11 games because they have the best defense in football. If that's, I, the, I, if that's the case, they should be still chasing a quarterback next year. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a legitimate, uh, you know, fear for sure. I, I think, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that that's exactly what happens. I think the defense is going to come out. It's going to, they're going to steal some games for them. Uh, I think the, the offense is, you know, it's going to have its struggles obviously. Um, but I, I do think you're right. in the fact that, you know, you know, they get through this season, they realize, Oh, Hey, we won 11 or 12 games. We have the quarterback. And, you know, we can move on even though, you know, four of those games were won by the defense after he threw three picks. Um, I definitely think, you know, that is definitely a possibility. Uh, and and I, I do think if that is the case, I, I think you have to look for the quarterback. I think if he does come out, you win 11 or 12 games and he plays really well, then sure. I, I think at that point you're looking at him probably being the guy and hoping that he still just continues to keep that improvement. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if he's, he's struggling – you're still winning games, but you know, in basically in spite of him, that that's not the type of quarterback that you want starting your franchise. And that's that is kind of like my other fear with this whole thing, kind of going into this, because when we've looked at like when I've looked at the numbers, and again, I understand that like and I don't say this as Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a Hall of Famer, because I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is ever going to be a Hall of Famer by any means. But when you look at the numbers, you look at the film, like he looks like probably something resembling Alex Smith before Alex Smith hurt his leg is like how I would probably kind of try and paint him. Like probably too conservative. His arm isn't great. Um, he can make the throws. He probably doesn't try the throws often enough, 
but he's pretty accurate. He does a good job putting the ball in place for playmakers to make plays after the catch. And that's kind of like what I like with how he fits into this roster, because I think a quarterback that can just kind of maximize the pieces around him really, really does what you need. Whereas like, and I understand the upside argument is Locke can probably do more if he makes the jump. But if he doesn't make that kind of jump, I think Bridgewater to me makes more sense. And again, that's, I guess I'm a Bridgewater guy because of that. Like I, I've been trying to like paint this idea of like the data seems to point that Bridgewater should probably end up winning this job. Um, and one of the things is like a lot of the same excuses, like excuses slash reasons. Cause some of them I think are, it's definitely valid. COVID is definitely a valid, obviously like the way COVID impacted everything is valid, but some of it, I think like we, we stick to it too much. Um, just because everybody was dealing with it. And and I think Bridgewater is a good example of this first year coordinate first year starter since his injury, uh, new offensive coordinator who was new too. So not even Pat Shermer, this guy was new jumping the league, but, but like he had a lot of the same reasons that we point to Locke almost has to make an improvement this year. So like, does it, does it seem unrealistic to kind of hope that even Teddy Bridgewater might be able to make a little bit of improvement because he actually had OTAs has a real preseason, like, Again, not going to set the league on fire, but like maybe like jumping from 18th best to like 16th best quarterback, something in that range. That that seems re- like, is that feasible or am I, am I fooling myself? I mean, I think I, I mentioned this a little earlier. I, I think the biggest thing for the quarterback room, honestly, it is the competition. Yeah. And we, we just talked about, you know, in Locke's two years, he's had Brandon Allen, Brett Rippon and Jeff Driscoll. Like there's nobody there that's going to push him. Like once he came off IR, uh, you know, his rookie year, he was going to play. Yep. Like there's nobody that you're going to put out there ahead of him. Um, so now I think Bridgewater, again, he's not the best quarterback, but he's a guy who's going to come in. And if he plays well, he's going to take Locke's job. Um, Locke has, hasn't ever had something like that. So I think it's going to push both of the guys, honestly. Um, I, I think there will be improvement on both sides because of the competition or at least that's what you hope. Obviously that's what every NFL team hopes for, Um, you know, getting into camp and there being a lot of competition to improve guys. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things, you know, we did go with, go over the COVID stuff a lot. I think it is valid, but you know, this year we're talking about competition now. I I think they're both going to push, push each other. Um, And again, like you said, I don't, I don't think anybody is going to set the world on fire, but I think, you know, they both have a chance to improve because they're put in a situation that, Hey, if I don't play well, this other guy's going to get the job. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It's it's going to be a good battle. And you know, like I said before, I, I do think Locke probably takes it, and it, it he really has to do a lot to not win it. Um, but I think Bridgewater's out there; he can definitely uh, you know perform, and he has performed in the league um, you know enough to say that you can you run him out there as a starter. So, if Locke is a starter. And again, obviously each week with injuries, all this stuff, it's going to change. So like, we're, this is like the fool's game of like, you know, the range of outcomes at this point is so early in everything. Like we're probably going to be wrong. That's why I like to do range of outcomes rather than just like, give me a win total. Yeah. Where do you think like the Broncos range of outcomes really is with Locke? Uh, kind of winning the job legitimately. So not giving, you know, obviously not just having the job handed to him. I mean, I'm going to give a pretty big range and it's going to be right in that, in that middle area. I, I think you're right. you look anywhere from like six to 11, um, I think makes the most sense. I think that lower side is he doesn't progress and you have some injuries. I, I don't think, I think he's going to progress enough that he's going to win some games. I, I don't think you're going to have the injury situation you had last year. So I, I do think that maybe a combination of both of those things happening 
could force it down to that, you know, six or seven wins. Um, but I think the higher side, everyone stays healthy. He makes the improvement uh, that everyone thinks that he he should at least. You know, Bridgewater pushed him. He, he really is starting to take off a little bit. Uh, and obviously the defense, I think, being able to steal a few games here and there. I, I think you're looking at 10 or 11 wins and, and, and really – you know, get, you're probably not going to win the division at, at that level, but you really have a chance to to get into the playoffs and be a wild card, wild card team. So, you know, kind of a wide range. And, you know, based on the history of the last couple of years, uh, I, I think it's pretty valid. But, um, you know, as we've, we've talked about plenty of times, I, I see this team, you know, either really taking the next step or kind of, you know, faltering a little bit. So it's, it's kind of right on that, that teeter spot. I mean, after five wins last year, I'll take six. Still, it, it, it's an improvement. Yeah. Uh, do you see a similar range of outcomes for Bridgewater or do you think it changes? I actually see it very similar. Um, I think some of the concerns with him are, are the same. Um, you know, you know, one of the biggest things with him is his clutch production. Yeah. He had eight games last year where, you know, last, last play he could have made it happen and, and didn't. I, I don't worry about the fact that, Hey, he's only, you know, never thrown more than 15 touchdowns. He's never, uh, you know, he, he hasn't really thrown the deep ball well. I think the deep ball, like I, I looked, he, he's pretty average. He's he's right in the middle of the pack. He's good enough. Um, you know, he, he only threw 15 touchdowns, uh, 14 or 15 back in 2015 with the Vikings. But he had Adrian Peterson running for 1,500 yards and 11 touchdowns. So, I mean, didn't really have to. So, um, you know, outside of that year and, and last year, those are really his only two healthy seasons anyway. Um, so I, I think there's, you know, a possibility he can make a jump. Um, but, you know, I think one of the biggest things is clutch production and leadership from a quarterback. And those are two question marks for, for Bridgewater. So, um, you know, I think the, the, the range is, is very similar with him. He comes out, plays well, does a little bit better towards the end of games. Defense helps him out. I think you're looking at 10 or 11 wins, but then, you know, also if you get the old Bridgewater um, who just, you know, is, is the same guy he has been, uh, you know, you're probably looking at six or seven. What are the odds, barring injury? Because again, like both of these players have had injury histories. Like that's the other thing that's really hard to ignore. Like Locke has not played through a full season yet. Bridgewater obviously had the leg last season. Uh, he at one point said that in the second Tampa Bay game, he got a hit and he said he could have shut it down and he played through. So like clearly he's been hurt before. Uh, what are the odds that both of them end up playing significant time? Yeah, I think the injury history is is very obvious, and I, I think that could really play uh, a factor. But if you're we're not including injury, both are 100 healthy. I actually don't. I think it's a very low percentage that cool. you know one of them play the entire season. Um, like I said before, I, I do think Locke wins the job, and I do think he's going to go into the season as a starter. You know, barring something, you know, he just plays terrible throughout camp and, and preseason. Um, but I don't think any of I don't think either one's going to win the job by a landslide. So I think whoever does get the the job is going to barely get in. They're, they're going to have a short leash to start the season. You know, he plays three or four games. He really struggles. I think he's coming out. So, um, yeah, I, I I think it's a very small percentage uh, that either one doesn't matter who you know wins the job that they actually play the full season. One thing I I worry about with that is like you're not going to go to a Super Bowl if you're juggling quarterbacks like that. Like, and again, like I know that the Broncos yeah. chances at a Super Bowl is low, but like, to me, like if that's what ends up happening, like I, once you start yanking guys at that point, I'm like, it's probably on, like we're hoping for playoffs, maybe a win in the playoffs. You surprise somebody. So then like, yeah. and I, and I think it's a real, like it is a real, like, cause I don't think either one of them are going to win by a landslide. So it's just, yeah, it's definitely a concern of mine. 
Yeah, it's it's a tough spot to be in. Like obviously, whenever you're looking at the good quarterbacks, they don't have to worry about you know bouncing between two guys. So you know if you're a team like it's one thing if you're a, a bad team, but you know we've talked about the Broncos roster. It's it's a good roster. You're looking at the quarterback position as being that one position that is either going to make you that Super Bowl roster or set you back. So you know if you're you're looking at you know this is a toss up between these two guys. You roll out one guy. He's struggling. All right, let's put the other guy in there. Let's see if he can do it and, and kind of spark him a little bit. So I think that's, you know, a legitimate, uh, you know, possibility this season. Um, and, you know, again, if he comes out there, those first three games that we talked about, wins those first three, is competitive against Baltimore, then there's a good chance that he probably is able to, to kind of stick it out throughout the rest of the season and, and really give him a shot. But you struggle one of those first three games uh, and then get blown out by Baltimore. I think there's going to be a big, uh, you know, a big reason um, for that coaching st- staff to start looking at uh, the other guy. Cool. Well, on that note, <laughs> I want to thank you so much for your time, guys. Again, if you do not follow Nathan on Twitter, he is at ncoopdraft. Uh, get the SIS guide if you don't already know about this. Go to SIS. I reference you guys all the time. I probably annoy whoever is running your Twitter account. Because I try to tag you. I, I feel like I try to give you guys credit as much as I can. But the data is amazing. So, guys, like, go check them out. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, I appreciate it. I always enjoy being on here. Uh, I just want to throw out there, we're going to have an interesting article coming out next week. Um, and, you know, stay tuned for it, uh, all the listeners. Uh, not sure if you're a hockey fan at all, but they just had an expansion draft last week. Yep. Uh, we actually decided to do something a little, a uh, little interesting. Do a, an expansion draft for the NFL. Oh, I'm jealous. Um, so we're actually putting together some guidelines, protection lists, different things like that, um, and we're actually going to make it interactive. So um, you know, we'll put out a uh, an article with the protection list. These guys you can't touch, but we'll have a form attached where you can basically go on, um, choose the players from the teams, uh, and build your roster. So it's going to be a fun thing to do. Um, and it'll kind of, you know, some of the, the stuff that, that we get and the submissions we get, uh, we'll go into another article. So, um, be on the lookout for that. Stay tuned with that. Definitely one of the more fun things that I've, uh, you know, come up with and been able to do. So it's, uh, it's been a fun process with it. So cool. I've been, I've been like, ever since the expansion draft, I've been thinking like how to do that. So it's awesome that you guys did it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, you know, just trying to figure out the guidelines is, is definitely, you know, one of the toughest parts, but um yeah tune into the to the article we'll have that all in there it'll be interesting so um yeah other than that really appreciate you having me joe it's uh it's always great talking to you talking about the draft and uh talking about the season so i'm excited for the season to get started